Thanks for checking out the Candeo podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at candeochurch.com. Well, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open to Proverbs chapter 3. And while you're opening, uh, just by show of hands, how many of you are currently in a situation where you have a big decision to make? Anyone? Okay. Uh, how about, have you, uh, have you ever been in a situation where you've had a big decision to make? How about raise the hands there? Okay. Most of us. How many of you didn't raise your hand because you're like, stay out of my business? Any of that? Okay. Cool. <laughs> Regardless of who you are, most of us have probably been in a situation where we've had to make a big decision, or maybe that's you right now, or maybe if you haven't done that, you will be in that situation in the future. Because it's been ingrained in us, I think since we were really, really young, uh, to be confronted with the big decisions in life. And here's what I mean. Uh, I can remember, you know, five or six years old being asked, maybe you've asked your kids this, what do you want to be when you grow up? What an odd question to ask a five-year-old, right? Like, that's a big decision in life to make, you know? And and, and in six-year-old Jake's mind, I'm like, I either want to be an engineer, uh, but I didn't know what that was. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm like trains or something else. I'm not sure. And, or I wanted to be a garbage man because who doesn't want to ride on the back of that truck, right? You know, and squish the garbage, but that's all changed. So clearly neither of those worked out. Um, My degree in college wouldn't let me be a garbage man. So, uh, You know, from that point, you know, all the way to maybe you're the college student and you're about to answer the same question like 200 times, right? What are you doing after you graduate? And you're like, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do after I graduate. Or maybe you've already graduated and and you're kind of like, your decision that you're in is, is, should I marry this person that I'm dating? Is this the person I'm supposed to marry? Or, may, or maybe it's not so much that, or maybe it's like, is, is this the career I'm supposed to take? Or, or how, how am I supposed to parent a teenager in the 21st century? They're asking me if they can do these things, if they can have this technology, like, like how do I make this decision? Or maybe your kids are out of the house, or maybe you're you know, nearing retirement and you're kind of faced with the, with the decision, what do I do with my time? What am I supposed to do now that my kids are out of the house? What am I supposed to do now that I don't have to wake up and go to a job every day? Like, like it's, this, it's this moment of, like moments of crisis almost where we have these big decisions to make. And then additionally, if you're a follower of Christ, that, that adds a whole nother God factor to the equation because you've been told that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And you're standing there going, I'm sorry, but I don't know what that plan is. I would really like to know because I have some decisions to make. We need wisdom. And this summer, as we've been walking through the book of Proverbs, we've been saying that wisdom is skillfully living according to God's ways and the nuances of life. And so the question we're going to answer this morning is, how am I to live skillfully and wisely according to God's ways when it comes to making decisions, when it comes to making plans, when it comes to discerning God's will for my life. When it comes to the decisions that I'm supposed to make where the answers don't at all seem obvious, what am I supposed to do? Well, this morning, we're going to see three things from Proverbs that are hopefully going to help us down the road of answering that question. Those three things are this. We're going to see the person that God directs. We're going to see the way that God directs. 
and we're going to see the purpose of God's direction. You want wisdom for the direction in life, for the decisions that you need to make, we're gonna see the person that God directs, the way God directs, and the purpose of God's direction. So look here at Proverbs chapter three, starting in verse one with me. We're gonna go through verse eight, it says this. It says, my son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands, for they will bring you many days of full life and well-being. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard with God and people. Verse five, maybe you know this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. See, notice here in, in this kind of most, you know, these most famous verses, trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? It, you'll notice that in these eight verses, he doesn't say, here's exactly what you're supposed to do with your life, right? Like he doesn't say, my son, take this job. My son, marry this person. My son, parent, you know, in this, in this way when it comes to technology. No, because often, often while we want to know what we should do, more often what we see in the Bible is God telling us who we should be. We often wanna know what we should do, but often what we see in scripture is God telling us who we should be and the kind of person who is able to discern God's wise direction in their life is first, the kind of person who knows God. The kind of person who knows God. We see this in verses one through four, that those who listen to his words and, and etch the knowledge of his character on their hearts. This is the kind of person that, that is able to discern God's wise direction in their life. You see, you see there in verse three, when it says loyalty and faithfulness, this, this should spark in our minds when we look back to Exodus chapter 34, when Moses asks to see the glory of God, what God does is he hides him in a rock and he passes before Moses. He doesn't do like these like spectacular things. I mean, God himself is spectacular enough, right? But what God says as he passes by Moses and reveals his character to Moses, here's what he says in Exodus 34. It says, the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed this, it says the Lord, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. You see, if you wanna be the kind of person who's able to discern God's wise direction for your heart, you need to first be the kind of person who is constantly finding ways to remind yourself, to etch the knowledge of the character of God on your heart, to, to be reminded of the depths of his grace and the assurance of his justice. You see, to etch the truth of who he is and the character of who he is on your heart so that when you come to a fork in the road, so that when you come to a decision in life, you have this, uh, I don't wanna use the word intuition, but because you know God so deeply and intimately that it, it's as though you uh, are able to discern exactly what he wants you to do. This, this happens in any sort of deep, intimate relationship, right? Like maybe, maybe in your marriage or maybe in your dating relationship you, or just a general friendship, you know someone so well 
You have spent time with them so much. You have gone through enough experiences with them that you know them, you know their character, you know kind of the way that they think. And so when you encounter a situation, you're almost already able to kind of know what they would say or know how they would respond. And so really when you approach a situation, you kind of have like two options. You have what you would do and then you have what your wife would do. And you kind of know like which one, you're like, like you know, I would probably naturally do this, but I know my wife so well, I think this is maybe what she would want me to do. And in the same way, if you wanna be the kind of person who's able to discern God's wise direction for your life, you need to first know God, to know the depths of his character, to have an intimate relationship with him, to be able to discern what you would do in those forks in the road. You see, Here's the thing, it's entirely possible to want to know God's will without wanting to know God. Did you know that? It's entirely possible to want to know God's will without wanting to know God. It's the difference between having a GPS God and a father God, right? Like a GPS God, it, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's kind of like you treat him like a GPS. It's like, here's where I want to go. I need to know how to get there. So I'm gonna plug in the destination and you just let me know kind of the direction I'm supposed to take, the most expedient way to get there, right? Like that's like GPS God. Like I just wanna know your will. I just wanna know like your direction. Like I just want directions on how to get to where I want to go. But that's very different than Father God. You don't, you don't talk to your GPS the same way you probably talk to a loved one. I hope not anyway. That'd be odd, right? Like, or maybe you're joking around with your kids, maybe. But like, like it's a very different relationship that you have with the GPS than you do with a father. Do you want to know God? Do you really want to know God? Do you seek his face in prayer? Do you open his word for yourself and see what he has to say about himself to you? Not just to open the Bible to go like, well, I need to make this decision, so I'm gonna try to find a chapter and verse that really pertains to that decision. No, no, no. Like, do you open the word of God to know God? You see, seeking God and knowing what he has said about himself is absolutely necessary if you wanna have wisdom in things that he has probably said nothing about as it relates to your situation. You want to know God. So the kind of person that God directs is the kind of person who knows him, but not only do you need to know God, you also need to know yourself. We see this in verses five through eight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Literally the word trust here means to put the full weight of your confidence in. It's the place where the full weight of your confidence rests. Like right now, you are trusting in your chair. Why? Because the full, like your full weight is on it. You probably didn't even know you were doing it when you walked in and sat down. But you're, you are trusting in that chair to put the full weight of your confidence in that. And so to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and not in your own understanding is to put the full weight of your confidence in his wisdom and not in your logic and your intellectual capacity or your ability to plan. This, I, this drives us modern Western people crazy. 
Because we love to figure things out. We love to know how things work. We love to know what to do. And perhaps the greatest indicator, you say, how do I know if I'm trusting in the Lord? The greatest indicator, I think, to know whether you trust in the Lord with all your heart or if you trust in yourself with all of your heart is obedience. Do you obey the Lord? Often when, when my kids are having a hard time, uh, how, how do I say this in a way that's not embarrassing to them? Um, when, my, when my kids are having a hard time obeying or are, are talking back to me, almost every time in the course of that conversation, we'll get to the point where I look at them and I say, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Because the reality is with my kids is that their disobedience is actually distrust. Disobedience is distrust. Because in that moment, they don't trust that I know what's best. They don't trust that I, that I can see further along down the road than they can. They don't trust that I have their best interests in mind. But they're trusting in themselves. Do you trust God? I mean, really. Like, do you trust the wisdom of God over your own intellectual capacity, over your own thoughts and opinions? Does, does the way that you obey God indicate that you actually trust him? Or, or, may, or maybe you'd say, well, yeah, I trust God, but, but all that stuff, you know, that he says about sex in the context of one man and one woman in the context of a covenant relationship called marriage for life, I mean, that, that surely can't be what, you know, that can't be what he said. Like, I, I've got this kind of figured out. I've found a way, you know, where that, that was just that culture and all these things. So, so I, I can kind of sleep with whoever I want or I can do whatever I want with my significant other. You know, it, it, it's really interesting to me that uh, the, the people, that some people who are really concerned about God's will for them life are also the same people who are addicted to pornography. I go, I'm not sure what job you should take, but I'm pretty sure Ephesians 5 says, let there be no hint of sexual immorality in your life. So it seems as though you're really concerned about knowing God's will in this area of your life, where it's probably, it's fairly ambiguous and not so much about knowing God's will when he explicitly says it in his word. And you're choosing to continually disobey him. Or, may, or maybe, maybe you say, yeah, I trust God, but that, that stuff about being like a cheerful and generous giver, uh, I'm sure if he knew my financial situation, I'm sure, I'm sure if he saw my budget, I'm sure if he knew my financial goals, like he would be totally okay with me not giving a nickel to advancing the work of the gospel in this place, in our nation and around the world. I'm sure he'd be totally okay with that. Maybe you say, yeah, I, I know Jesus said, go and make disciples, which means sharing the gospel with unbelievers. Like, I know he said that. I know he said, go and make disciples, which will mean share, like opening my mouth and sharing my faith. But I mean, if he knew my workplace, like I think he'd be okay with the fact that I, I haven't I haven't shared the gospel with the people who sit 10 feet away from me, let alone care about the people who are all the way across the world who have never heard the name of Christ. I'm sure, I'm sure he'd be fine with that.
See, if, if your children only ever obeyed you when it was convenient or only ever obeyed you when they fully agreed with you, if, they, if that's the only time they obeyed you, that'd be a pretty good indication that they don't actually trust you, but that they trust themselves. And if you only obey God when it's convenient for you or when it makes total sense to you, then that's probably a good indication that you don't trust God either, but you actually trust yourself. You see, the kind, of people, the kind of person that God directs is the person who knows God and who knows themselves. And what, what do I mean by that? I mean, who knows, uh, wise people generally tend to know how foolish they actually are, right? Like wise people are very aware of their own foolishness. Like the kind of person that, God's, that God directs is the person that knows apart from his wisdom that you are a total fool, total fool in need of direction. Do you trust God? Do you actually trust God? Or does the pattern of your life say that you actually trust in your own understanding? God, so God gives direction to those who know him, who know themselves. That's the person that God directs. So now, what is the way that God directs? Turn Turn a few chapters later to, to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs 16. Look at verses one through three here. What is the way that God directs? It says here, Proverbs chapter 16, verse one, the reflections of the heart belong to mankind, but the answer of the Lord, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All a person's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs motives. Commit your activities to the Lord and, he, and your plans will be established. What is the way that God directs? Check this out. God directs paradoxically. Say what, I, say what do you mean by that? See, I, often what we tend to think is that we, we see things either one of two ways, Okay. You probably either live your life viewing life uh, in such a way that, like, like, that your choices actually matter, that they actually have consequences, and therefore things aren't fixed. Like things aren't just like set, and, and regardless of what you do, nothing, you know, nothing will change. Like your choices actually matter, and therefore you can, you can affect your future. The, the choices that you make have consequences, and so you can determine a lot of things about your life, nearly everything. That, that's one way to live, and I think that's the way that probably most of us live. Or there's another way to view life where things, where things are totally fixed, that what's gonna happen is gonna happen, that regardless of what I do, it isn't really gonna change anything, so it doesn't really matter how I live, because things are gonna kinda like, like just keep going. My life is relatively inconsequential. Those are kind of the two ways that probably most people live their lives. It's very, very like either or. We think it's either or, but it's not at all that way in the Bible because what we see in the Bible isn't pure determinism, okay? So like things are fixed. Nothing I do is gonna change it. That's determinism. In the Bible, things aren't pure determinism or pure individualism. 
Like that individualism of like, well, my choices, my choices affect everything. Like what I do that like has real bearing in the world. It's not either or, but what we see in scripture is definitely this both and where what we see is that we are absolutely free. Your choices do matter and absolutely determined at the same time. Both, not, not 50-50, not 75-25, both. Look, at, look again at, at, at verse one of chapter 16, the reflections of the heart, the, the, the reflections, reflections there mean like intentions, plans, like the reflections of the heart belong to mankind. Like your choices are yours, absolutely. Your intentions are yours. They do have consequences. They do, they do have weight and bring, bring bearing into the world. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Jump down to verse nine. A person's heart plans his ways. You make your plans, absolutely. Making plans is good, by the way. A person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. Totally free, totally determined. Look at, look at verse, go all the way down to verse 33 of chapter 16. Check this out. This, this one's probably the craziest. The lot is cast into the lap. What is a lot? The, be, the modern day version of that would be like rolling the dice or flipping a coin. Like it seems totally random. Like the most random of things that could happen. The, the, the lot is cast into the lap, but... It's every decision is from the Lord. Do, do you see what this means? This means that your plans absolutely matter and belong to you. They're yours. Like what you do matters. And at the same time, everything is completely fixed and is under the sovereign governance of God. Everything. So... I, I, think, I think what can happen if, if, if you kind of fall in this like determinism camp, like whatever I do, you know, won't change anything, you'll probably tend to be incredibly careless in your life. Because why, why would you care? You just do whatever you want. Or if you're, I think most of us are a bit more in that individualism camp where what I do like really matters and like it's the, really the only thing that matters. I set my own destiny. Probably what's gonna happen is that either you're, you're not gonna be careless, you're gonna be crippled. You'll be crippled when you come to decisions because your decision matters so much that you actually feel as though you have the ability to utterly ruin your life and to thwart, God, and to, and to thwart God's plans. You're, you'll either be crippled or you'll be foolishly uh, confident. You go like, well, yeah, I can make my decisions, so I'm gonna step forward because I, I know what's going on. But here's what this means. Like, the fact, that, the fact that both of these things exist simultaneously, we don't know how to reconcile. You go, that makes no sense. I go, I totally agree. And I understand it about as little as the rest of us in this room. But the fact is that we see this in scripture, that we are absolutely free and absolutely determined at the same time. And so you go, like, how in the world is that supposed to help me when it comes to making decisions? I go, it's supposed to help you when it comes to making decisions because it means that you can make a decision. You don't have to be crippled. You can make a decision and you can sleep well at night. 
both. You, you go, oh man, that would be great. Like, because how many of us have made a decision and then, we, and then we lay there with our eyes closed and it's constantly running through our minds. Was that the right decision? I don't know. Like, I wonder how this is going to play out. We play out all the hypotheticals, right? What this means is that you can make a decision because your decisions matter, but because you aren't the ultimate determiner of the outcome and purposes within the world of those decisions, that you can sleep well at night knowing that God governs all things. See, sometimes people will ask me, uh, they'll come to me and, and they'll ask me like to help them make a decision. They'll, they'll have kind of like two options in front of them. They go, oh, I could do this or I could do that. I could go this direction. I could go that direction. What, what do you think? And, and often what I'll do is I'll look at them and I'll go, make a decision. And you go, how, how unspiritual of a pastor to say that. Like you're a pastor. Like aren't, aren't I supposed to look at them and say, well, you need to pray about it for a week. You need to read your Bible an hour a day. You need to read this book. You need to go talk to these people. You need to make a pros and cons list. And then what you need to do with that list is you need to set it out on your deck. And then in the morning, if it's wet, you should do this. And if it's dry, you should do this, right? Like, I don't say any of that. I say, make, make a decision. And, and, and that answer drives us crazy, right? Because what we want when it comes to making decisions is we want, we want a technique, right? Like we want, we want a skill, we want a formula to be able to kind of plug in to this situation and then like outcomes this decision, right? I was, I was just, I was re recently reading in 2 Samuel. If you go to 2 Samuel 2, this is hilarious. So David has just uh, basically finished being pursued by Saul who's, who's trying to kill him. And David now in 2 Samuel 2 is trying to figure out, uh, he asks God, he says, should I go to any of the cities in Judah? David doesn't know what to do. He says, should I, God, should I go to any of the cities in Judah? And God says, yes. And then David goes, well, which one should I go to? And God says, go to Hebron. And we're looking at that and we're like, that, that's what I'm talking about. Like, there we go. Like, I've got a decision to make. I just want to ask God and I just want a straight answer. Right, like, like, why can't, where do I get some of that? You know, some of this, like, just ask God the question. He gives you the answer. Done. Right? But since it doesn't seem as though we can really, you know, have a clear way of getting that, what we do is we look to techniques, we look to formulas. How about this one? How about, how about looking for that sense of peace? I have a decision to make. I haven't made it yet. I've just been praying, just waiting for a sense of peace. What, what, what are you doing right there when, when you're looking for that sense of peace? You're, you're looking for a technique. You're, you're looking to be guided by your feelings. In the moment, now, now don't, don't mistake what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't listen to your feelings because sometimes the reason why you don't have that sense of peace is it's actually your conscience. It's because you are, you are trying to convince yourself to do something you know you shouldn't do. Right, so I'm not saying like discount your feelings, but what I am saying is that you better be happy that Jesus didn't wait for a sense of peace before he went to the cross to secure for you your salvation. As, as, he's, as, he's, sit, as he's laying there in the garden praying to his father saying, saying God, 
if, if there's any way, as he's sweating drops of blood, right? Like, like you think he, do you think he felt a sense of peace there? Of course not. Like, why would he sweating blood? And yet this was exactly God's direction. You see, the person God's, God directs is, is the person who knows him, who trusts him, who knows themselves. The way that God directs is paradoxically. So trust in the Lord. Make your plans. Make a decision. And sleep well at night, knowing that God governs all things. So the person God directs, the way God directs, and finally the purpose of God's direction. I, I said before that, that the Bible often tells us less about what to do and, and much more about who to be, which means that, that the destination of God's direction in your life isn't ultimately the job, isn't ultimately the marriage, isn't ultimately, you know, the, the, the kid who turned out well. Like the ultimate destination of God's direction in your life the purpose of God's direction is this. It's to bring you into fellowship with Christ and conform you to the image of Christ so that you will display the glory of Christ. The purpose of God's direction in your life is to bring you into fellowship with Christ, conform you to the image of Christ so that you would display the glory of Christ. That's why. Like, like that is God's purpose in your life, which means that often things won't go the way that it seems as they're to go. Uh, uh, think of Joseph. Remember the story of Joseph? Favored in, favored in his father's house, uh, his brothers betray him and throw him in a pit, end up selling him off to a bunch of nomads who take him into Egypt as a slave. He makes himself, you know, he makes his way up in the ranks. And then is, and then is, uh, framed or betrayed or whatever you want to call it and thrown into prison, like these ups and downs of Joseph. Like why in the world did God not, like Joseph was, was supposed to be second in command of Egypt to save millions of people from a famine. Why in the world would God not just send him straight from his father's house to Egypt to do what he was supposed to do? Is it possible that it's because had Joseph not gone through the things that he went through, he wouldn't have been the kind of person he needed to be when he got there. Had Joseph just gone straight from his father's house to second in command of Egypt, there is so likely so much about who Joseph was that wouldn't have been the way he needed to be in order to do what God had for him to do in Egypt. Of course, it didn't seem like things were going the way they were supposed to. Of course, like if you would have asked Joseph throughout all that, he probably wouldn't have been able to tell you exactly why all these things were happening to him. But God was turning him into a different kind of person to prepare him for the task that God had before him. Even when it didn't look like God was working, God was working. And even when it doesn't look like God is doing anything in your situation, God is doing something in your situation. What, is it possible that, that what you are going through right now, that the purpose of that is actually to turn you into the kind of person you need to be for something that you have no idea what God is going to do with you in the future? 
in Matthew 6, when, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he, he, was just, uh, he was just comforting them. He was just assuring them of God's awareness of their needs. And right after telling his disciples not to worry in Matthew 6, he says this famous line, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. See, Jesus doesn't say seek first answers. He says seek first the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is God's good kingly rule in the lives of his people. It's God's good kingly authority. Are you in a situation right now, or are you faced with a decision that you don't know what to do? Seek first God's good kingly authority in your life. Instead of first asking God what you should do, ask him who you should be. Instead of first asking God, uh, God, I, I need to figure out my major. I need to figure out what path to take. I need to figure out what job to take. Instead of asking him that, like, like what job should I take? Ask him, what kind of person, what kind of employee would you want me to be that would glorify you in whatever job I have, in whatever major I choose? Instead of, instead of first asking <laughs> okay. Instead of first asking whether or not you should get the vaccine. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Instead of first asking, what, like, should I get the vaccine? Should I not get the vaccine? How about asking, how should I act toward those who think differently than me? What kind of person should I be towards those who have different opinions, who have different thoughts, who have made different choices? Instead of first asking whether, you know, is this the person I should marry or is that the person I should marry? Instead of trying to figure out who you should marry, how about asking God to make you a person of integrity, a person of holiness, a person of purity? Whether you get married or stay single for the rest of your life. Instead of asking God what you should do, first ask God who you should be. Imagine what would happen if you became a person who cared much more about becoming who God wants you to be, who cared about becoming who God wants you to be as much or more than you cared about figuring out what God wants you to do. So you wanna, you wanna know the decision you're supposed to make? How do I make decisions? How do I have wisdom? Make your plans. Absolutely. Plans are good. Be diligent. Absolutely. Make a decision. Stop living in this world. Like, make a decision. And as you plan, make decisions, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him, and he will make your paths straight, church. Let's pray together. Oh, Jesus, we praise you. We thank you that you didn't rely on the feelings of the moment. 
came to going to the cross on our behalf. Jesus said, you perfectly followed God's will. We pray for wisdom in the decisions of this life. Lord, would you turn us into, would you change us into the kind of people that you desire us to be? So that whatever we do, that in all ways we would glorify you. Father, we pray that you would help us by the power of your spirit. pray this in Jesus' name, amen. This has been a message from Candeo Church. To learn more about us or to hear more messages, visit us at candeochurch.com.